0: Hello, this is Dan Kalak, member of the Palma Band of Lusanyu Indians and the Chief Medical Officer for Indian Health Council over the past 19 years. May we all wonder and be blessed by the energy created by the life around us, perpetuated and created from our ancestors and their ancestors for time immemorial. We recognize the Creator's hand is all that we see, feel, think, and do here on Earth and in our short existence. We treasure our time together and we wish each other peace, happiness, and long life. For love, health, time is all we have here on Earth. We relish our bodies, minds, spiritual being, and our consciousness, drinking in our reality with the ones we love and making a good place for our people is paramount. For our Earth, our animal brothers and sisters on Earth, the ocean, the sea, and the unseen that share our space, we treasure your existence. For our children we love, live, and last one more day, if not for ourselves, but for our generations to come forever now, on Earth, and to the universe end. Michonne Lovic.
1: So welcome to the 40th episode of What About Life. I'm your host, David S. Dawson, the Multimedia Coordinator here at Indian Health Council. Joining me as always, my ever-present cohort, Mr. George Pohas. Hello, hello, hello. So who do we have with us today, George? You've, you been, know, you've been really excited about today's yeah, podcast. I,
2: I am. I am. Uh, you know, with October here, uh, it's, it. you know... My family was deeply affected uh, by fire season, and we're always trying to, you know, stay in close contact with our first responders. And, you know, we we caught a whale, we caught a whale, and we got the big we got the big man here, uh, our very own Rincon's finest uh,
3: chief. You want to introduce yourself? Well, uh, George David. Good afternoon, Chip Duncan, Fire Chief of the Rincon Fire Department. I've been the fire chief for about six months. Uh, I was a captain here before that, so it makes me a little bit unique because I actually promoted up from a lower rank to the fire chief. So I think I might be the only guy in recent history that, that did that. I'm, I could be wrong, but I, I think in recent history, I'm the, I'm the first one. Okay. congratulations. Sense. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. And before we hit record, you were saying you, you grew up here, right? Like- so actually, I grew up in East County of San Diego, so okay. I'm an East County guy. Yeah. Um, I'm second generation. My mom was born here during World War II at Babo Naval, Naval Hospital, like half the people that were here during the war. Right. So I grew, I grew up here. My dad was uh, an El Cajon firefighter, so I'm from a firefighting family. My, my, my dad, my brother, my brother is actually, he works for Valley Center Fire, now he's the operations chief for Valley Center. My son's a firefighter, my son-in-law, my nephew. So everybody in my family is wow. fire. And then my wife's side's all military. So we have interesting get-togethers when we all get together. Get together so <laughs> well, <thank laughs> That's you. a whole lot of service. <laughs> thank you for the service. <laughs> thank yeah. you.
2: Yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, uh, uh, the, the fire season is something that, that I follow closely. My my uh, my family's from La Jolla, and, and my in-laws lost their home in the, uh, what was it, the 07? Oh, the the Pomacha o- Fire. The, the 07 Pamacha Fire. We actually saw the fire start right in front of our yard. Uh, we, we lived in Pamacha and, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it, it was, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Devastating. And then, and then I believe in Oh three, but uh, my, my, my family uh, own, owns the Julian market in Delhi. We lost our, our, our bit, our, our store to a fire. We still don't have the answer why they say maybe electrical, but we lost our store. So uh, fires, fires, fires and fire season are no joke and uh now uh, i
1: understand better why you were so excited about you know
2: and so and so we work in the behavior health field and and so for october our theme is stress and anxiety and disaster preparedness and you know for some you know reason or another we get a lot of anxiety and stress around this time of year and you can Uh call it the holidays are coming school has started and i just know that you know usually the, the wind starts blowing the heat the heat goes up, and, and fires. I call it fire season, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, what better guest to, to have you guys here? So, yeah, I know I said a lot. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what, you, you guys I, mean I, the George, world George, I started here
1: one year ago today. Uh-oh. One year ago today I started here, and it, it's the same season, right? Yeah. So I remember one of my first experiences here was you telling me that, like, hey, when the winds kick up around here, just be aware that people are going to get really anxious and nervous. And there's a lot of reasons for it. I was like, why? And it was like the fires, dude.
3: Yeah. And I was like, Oh, right. Cause I'm a coastal kid. So like, well, that, that's an interesting thing because I started my career with the California department of forestry. So I started as a forestry guy. So mm-hmm. I like wildland firefighting cause that's what I started out doing. Um, then I moved on to a, I worked for a coastal city someplace else up in Orange County. So I lived that life of you know the people on the beach, and then I'm back out here. This is this is pretty much the way that I grew up. I grew up in a rural area, East mm-hmm. County. Um, the, it's completely different when you live on the coast. You come on this, this side of I-15. They people pay attention to the weather. They know what's going on with the weather. They know what the wind's going to do. They're watching the temperatures. There's a lot more awareness of what's going on as far as this is. This is potentially. Hazardous weather, and now we kind of we've gotten away from the term fire season because that's what I grew up when I started back in nineteen eighty five. We started the fire season. Now we call it the fire year because pretty much California uh, will burn all year long. We've had some really big fires in January, March, mm-hmm. um, but right now for Southern California, if you watch fire season, we or fire year, it actually starts. Kind of down in Florida and the, the kind of the Everglade areas, you see those big Everglade fires. It kind of works right. its way up along through the Midwest, the Rockies. It kind of follows the the thunderstorms and stuff. The Rockies goes up through like Montana, up into Alaska. Then it starts to drop down into Washington, Oregon, Northern California, and then the last part of fire season is actually Southern California. So it's kind of funny. You can kind of excuse me, You can kind of track. You can kind of track fire season where it starts and where it kind of ends. So we're at the very end of fire season. So. Like I said, people here are a lot more aware of fire season. They're also a lot more careful about what they do, where they're at, how things go. So we talked, you mentioned a little bit about you have some anxiety issues and about disaster preparedness and stuff like that. I would say that people here, the fact that they're keyed into it and they're aware of it, that's a huge head start on people who live in a more suburban area who don't really think about it a lot. Like where I came from, they would still get fires that would threaten and burn things down. But that was the farthest thing from their mind on the, that morning when they woke up and they're looking at their house, you know, on the ground. So out here, folks are aware of it. They pay attention. Um, they take it serious. And that, from a firefighter standpoint, that's a great thing because really, we really, the public really has a big role to play when we've got anything going on. Because when the deputies come by, come by and ask you to, you know, evacuate or whatever else, that's huge plus. People have defensible space out here. They take care to make they, they put take precautions. So that's not the way it is everywhere. I would give folks out here, uh, I like to give like basically kudos because they're on top of this. They pay attention.
1: It mm-hmm. makes sense. Once you've been, you know, once you've been ex- in the realm of experiencing the harm that comes from it, it, it's far more at the forefront of your mind. And like I said, on the coast, we don't think about it nope. anywhere near as much as I know you guys do out here.
2: Well, there's a lot to say about that too. If you, uh, one thing I've learned is, is, um, Fire prevention has has culturally been something that natives have always done historically, and and you know whether it's been you know uh, uh, safety areas, but but also uh, um, 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 safety burns or control burns mm-hmm. and things like that. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure, but
3: but uh, yeah, they're definitely we're definitely aware. So that's actually one thing, too, kind of circle back on what you're talking about, George, is um, fire is part of the environment in California. And obviously Native Americans, they're part of, you know, they believe in in that We have the thing called cultural burning. And one thing we're looking at um, right now between the tribes um, uh, is developing a group of people um, that go around and we do do cultural burns on reservation land. Matter of fact, Chief Ruiz from La Jolla, he's an old hotshot. He's my go-to guy when it comes to Doing um, any kind of firing operations or control burns or things like that, so we're trying to get this group together where we actually can combine our resources and go to different reservations and use fire to uh, do control burns, which is a lot less invasive, especially if you have like very culturally sensitive sites out there. But it's a lot better for the environment too when you use fire to instead of driving a you know driving a bulldozer across it or whatever else. Fire really is part of our environment, and it basically enhances the environment if you use fire correctly to control you know the nuisance vegetation things like that it's 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 uh, any forest or any wildland area that has fire and it occurs naturally tends to be healthier than places that have not burned i heard a thing a, a couple years ago that if christopher columbus came to the united states today and looked at the forest they'd look completely different because it's so overgrown and so um you know, much more vegetation because in the old, before anybody showed up, your fire would, you have lightning strikes, which is a primary ignition source. You would burn off all the saplings, all the understory, all the little bushes that are kind of draining the nutrients out of the bigger trees. So now you have this overgrown forest, so the forest weren't as healthy. Um, and that's why have, when fires get, bit, 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 back in, you know, those times, fires wouldn't get as big because the forest was healthy. Well, now the forest isn't as healthy, fires tend to get bigger and do more damage, which is kind of weird. So now we've gone full circle. Now we're getting back into actually using fire as part of our like, prescription burns and things like that to control um, the, uh, the vegetation to keep small fires small because that's naturally occurring. It's good for the forest and avoid the large conflagrations like cedar fire or pumacha or whatever else. So I would say we're better today with that and we're moving forward on trying to get this control burn association together where we actually share resources and we do f- use fire because it has multiple advantages over using mechanical or whatever else. So, well, even you look at things like the sequoias,
1: like they were they've grown to resist fires at their bases, right? But the recent fires that happened there a year ago, 2 years ago were so hot and so out of control that they actually harmed large portions of that really ancient forest in ways that it's never really had happened to itself before, right?
3: And I think a lot of it goes back to um, we, in the fire service, you think called tons per acre. So you basically measure how much vegetation is in that acre. So you throw in those little saplings, the brush, all that kind of stuff under those big trees, the fire is going to carry under those big trees and you get something hot enough. I mean, even rocks, lava, you get them hot enough, they're going to change composition. They're going to have some sort of impact by fire. Fire pretty, pretty much, there is nothing that can stand the way of fire if it's got a running start. It's just going to do what it's going to do. So those trees are resistant like anything, right? Um, but they're not fireproof. Just like my my uniform is Nomex, it's fire resistant, it's not fireproof. All of our gear is fire resistant, not fireproof. Everything will burn if you get it hot enough, basically. Right. Yeah. And the trees, that's it got hot enough because this this basically the circumstances were right and, and the conditions were right that it got them hot. And it did and it damaged them. But there are some species, I forget exactly which tree it is. There's one that with the pine cone actually has to be burned or to open up and release its seeds out of it. Yeah, because the the fire is actually part of its reproductive right, process. Right. Yeah. It's it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. everybody thinks of fire as as this like wildly destructive force, but it is just another force in nature mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of parts of the ecosystem
3: are reliant on it actually happening. And and I think one thing uh, David that we understand now more is we understand that now. Um, in the old days, it was go up with the fire, out, go put the fire out. We got so good at it, that's why our forest got so overgrown. Now we take a more, more objective look at it like, is this fire really doing a lot of damage? Is it gonna burn off the understory? How can we create the least impact on the forest when we go in and do firefighting and not cut giant, you know, put dozer lines in or whatever. You try to be, we're not perfect yet, but we're getting a lot better about uh, leaving less of an impact on our fire suppression efforts. And then the one thing we do for sure is after we do fire suppression, we'll go back in and do rehab, um, I remember being a seasonal firefighter, and we were up in the Cuyamaca Mountains on a, on a timber fire, believe it or not, here in San Diego. And we got done cutting line. And the minute we got done cutting line, they had us going back down the line. We mopped up, and we were pulling the vegetation back on the line to hide it a little bit. And then they had the crews come in and do the actual uh, rehab. But we're, we're getting better and better. We have like more knowledge, and more understanding of how that part of the ecosystem and how you can provide less of an impact on your fire suppression techniques. That's a huge thing. You know. Yeah, it's a whole science yeah yeah
2: there's a there's a, a lot a lot of directions we can go with with, with this uh um, you know a, a big part of of what we do is the mental health stuff and you guys as first responders uh, out here on the reservations do a lot and in valley center you know I'm, I'm in valley center uh, but uh you guys do a lot of of, of uh, other stuff too you know you guys uh, we call you guys for everything you guys uh come out and do podcast, you guys do firefighting, you guys come and, you know, if uh, we're not, you know, if usually you're the first ones at the scene, if there's a car accident and this and that and everything else, you know, um, 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 what do you guys do for self-care out there?
3: That's a great question, George. Yeah. Um, Uh, How do you guys take care of each other? We have grown probably in the last 10 years from ignoring mental health for our uh, firefighters to really coming up with a comprehensive plan and also there's some social stigma too. When I, when I started, I started a long time ago. In the old days, you know what? Basically it was like, suck, up. suck it up, kid. You know yeah. what? This is the job. You're going to see some bad stuff. And my dad had that talking. Hey, you're going to see some bad stuff. Remember. I think bad's a, an understatement. <laughs> Sometimes, but you see a lot of good stuff too. So oh, you got, sure. it's like, I mean, sure. delivering a baby is pretty cool. I've done that. It was yeah. pretty cool. I didn't do a whole lot of work. I just was there, right? So there you see the good with the bad. But my dad always said, remember, you didn't cause a problem, but you're there mm. to solve the problem. Mm. And that's one that always, I mean, I've been on some calls, that I remember them, but I remember walking away and going, hey, look, I didn't create that problem. But if, I'm, if I'd am if i made that person feel a little bit better or the family a little bit better or I, I did my best, that was a little bit of a consolation, okay? Now, that doesn't always work out. There's, there's always those calls that kind of stuck in your head that uh, are kind of, they kind of rattle around in there, for lack of a better term. Some guys deal with it, everybody has different ways they deal with it. I, the problem is, I think socially for a long time, we didn't really acknowledge that, you know, we're firefighters, we're tough, we can handle it, it's not a big deal. You know, we're firefighters, you know, 10 feet tall, that kind of stuff. But we realize it's not. And actually, one of the things they really have started to study is firefighter suicides. Mm. And that's kind of our dirty little secret. We really, if depending on what data you look at, we actually have a higher suicide rate than police officers. Wow. And we didn't track it for a long time. Now that data is still not 100 percent, and I mean that's debatable. Well, we believe one's too many. I, 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 absolutely, because I've seen more. I've seen an increase in those over the last couple of years of firefighters. We had a fire, a, a Cal Fire captain jump off the bridge, uh, the Pine Valley Bridge that that out there going mm. through, uh, across over to Pine Valley. Uh, another captain in Orange County, uh, he jumped off his freeway overpass. So, and these are young guys. These are not, I mean, these are like young captain guys, wow. fit, you know, prime of life type things. So we kind of collectively uh, as fire chiefs, uh, we now actually have like a mental health task force. And I think it's through California fire chiefs. We pay a lot more attention. So now what do we do for our, um, for our guys and gals in the fire service? Well, we start with peer counseling. So uh, pure counseling, um, in my past life, uh, I was exposed to. We are my old fire department. Actually, we uh, lifeguards were part of our department, and we had a lifeguard get killed in the line of duty. And uh, LA County Fire Department, same thing. Their firefighters and lifeguards. They're the same. They're part. Lifeguards are part of their fire department. They sent their lifeguard peer counseling team down to do peer counseling with our lifeguards. And being a third party, I was down there because I was in charge of some different things, and I watched how the lifeguards interacted with the peer counselors versus the people that kind of were the 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 clin- clinician type people they send out there, mm-hmm. night and day, because you have a guy walk up to you in a uniform and he starts talking to you and he speaks your language and hey man what's going on are you doing all right? Those guys are really open up and talk to him versus uh oh you know this guy's a clinician I got to watch out because he's right. yeah yeah he's, oh, yeah he's got a white coat oh, on yeah we yeah, yeah, get rid of yeah right it's a, it's a that's a exactly t- right comfort yep. level yep. right exactly Especially in the field so I saw that work really well firsthand. Um, and most of our departments have gone to uh, kind of a phase approach where we actually have the peer counseling level so you have a a, um, a large event perfect example you remember a couple months ago that shooting they had in LA County where the they had a when sh- uh, their uh, employees came and shot guys in the fire station you remember that one yeah I remember okay hearing about that. so what they did is they mobilized all the peer counseling teams in Southern California um, And they launched those guys up there and they pulled in everybody in that entire, and LA County is a large fire department. That's like, they're like 191 stations. And they ran all those guys through peer counseling. Some guys were cool, hey man, I'm good, I got this. Some guys wanted to talk a little bit more and they were okay with the peer counselors. Then the next phase after the peer counseling is then you actually send them to a clinician. But when you send a firefighter or law enforcement to a clinician, it's gotta be somebody who gets us because we, We're a little different animal, you know. police and fire. We, we operate completely different. We look at things completely different. And if you get the wrong clinician, those guys will clam up and they will not talk to you. So you gotta get a person who understands police and fire. So there's uh, different groups out there that specialize in police and fire. And if guys don't feel okay after doing the peer counseling, we'll basically send them on to a professional and get professional help. And most of the time, they go talk to them once or twice and they're good to go. Occasionally, it takes longer than that, but at least we've identified that we have a problem. We've admitted it, that suicides are a dirty little secret. We need. How are we going to fix it? We have a, a tiered approach to do that, but we've really made that a priority here. In the, probably the last maybe even 10 years, we, we finally jumped on board. For a while there, we really kind of just – it was like it was out there, but nobody really talked about it. So we're getting better. Are we completely 100% yet? No, but the culture is changing, which is good. It's more accepting. Hey, if you've got a problem, go get some help, and then – we have uh, things in place to help you if you have a problem.
1: I think it's interesting. It's all the same conversations we've been having about just the general population mm-hmm. in terms of like same time admitting there's a problem and and then mm-hmm. approaching and figuring out how to question and 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 discuss it with you mm-hmm. know the people we know who might be thinking about suicide and so a lot of those same situations, but it it, it always comes back down to. The person who's in pain, who can they talk to? Right. Who who are they most open to talking mm-hmm. to? And, and can you get those people to them in time?
2: Yeah, we, we try our best to just uh, give our community as many tools and resources as possible because it's more likely that we're going to turn to the person next to us you know, rather than the professional. Eventually we want to get to the professionals, you know, but I'm sure similar to firefighting. I mean, we got to be prepared at home first because it's going to take you time to get to the house. You know, I recently, there was a fire in my backyard uh, back in June and the neighbor, the neighbor uh, apparently lit up, put a gopher bomb in, in a fire, in a, in a, in a wood pile. And, and at four in the morning, it caught fire. I insist that they were doing a burn, but anyway, um, but, but it took, it felt like eternity. It felt like forever. But in the meantime, we had to do things on the home front. We'd be prepared as Mm -hmm. a, as a family, you know, and so I guess what I'm getting at is when it comes to mental health, you know, we, we got to be prepared to help each other because it takes time to get to that professional. A lot of times the clinics and things like that aren't even open during those crisis times. So the more we can get our community prepared and resources available to help each other, I think I think the more more chance we're going to get those numbers down, those statistics down, you know, because in the time of crisis is really where, you know, the the, the, the situations are happening.
3: Yeah. Well, I think you, we kind of talk about disaster preparedness mm-hmm. and like fire prevention. You know, How about emotional preparedness? How do you, how do you prepare somebody who's a family member? Um, I know kind of back to uh, the fire world, I know that we actually started a thing with the fire wives. They would bring the wives in, and it was closed to just the wives. They wouldn't let any of us in there, and they would talk about mm. us and how we operate. So we were like a little emotional preparedness for our wives, how we could lean on our wives – or significant others. And uh, to this my wife was in that those classes. She actually started teaching those classes until this day. She won't tell me what they talked about. about. <laughs> She's sworn to secrecy, right? That's awesome. So it must've been really good. And I'm like, I'm sure you're in there talking about me, right? And she kind of scowls at yeah. me. I was like, ah, don't worry about it. You it's know, like stop digging. Yeah. Stop digging. Uh, I will talk about you. Right. So <laughs> Which, I, I think that I'm, I think that emotional preparedness thing too, is like you're talking, uh, reaching out to everybody collectively and say, hey, look, if you notice these issues with your family member, do this. It's like, we teach everybody, oh, and if you have a fire, you go grab your fire extinguisher, pull the pin out, know, squeeze it, sweep, blah, blah, blah. Emotional preparedness is if you have people who are aware of their surroundings, kind of like fire season, we know fire season is here. Someone's having a potentially emotional crisis, what's the first thing you do when you see them having a crisis? Because you're right, it may, it may be too far away, maybe four o'clock in the morning. Um, it's called your first responder emotionally. And and honestly, that's the one thing we don't have right now. If your house is on fire, you're gonna have first responders. If you're having a heart attack, You're gonna get first responders. You have a rattlesnake in your front yard. You're gonna get first responders. If you're having an emotional crisis, who's coming?
2: First responders.
3: Maybe, but maybe not. I mean, I would say that if your family's prepared, they're a better first responder for us before we get there. Oh,
2: oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I'm just saying. Typically, typically out here from just just you know, I'll just throw it out there. We call we call you guys. Right, you guys, and, you
3: guys are the go-to, and and that's and that's what we're here for, yeah. and and that's that's the way that we roll, and that's what we should roll. Hey, the old, the our kind of our motto on the RenCon Fire Department is no call too small. Wow, whether you have a leaky water heater, <laughs> your your uh, smoke detector chirping, um, anxiety attacks. I remember um, I was a paramedic for a long time. I gave that card up in twenty twenty three or twenty thirteen because mm-hmm. that was a, a young man's job. But I remember when I first started on on the job, they started coming up with this thing called an anxiety or panic attack. And we were kind of vexing for us to kind of like, is this a real medical condition? When they started talking about it, well, as time went on and more of those then went on, an anxiety attack is pretty debilitating. That's crosses the threshold from being emotional to being physical. So a lot of the younger medics really struggle with, oh, this is just somebody playing a game where they're like, no, these are real. You got to treat these just like a heart attack or shortness of breath or whatever else. And I think probably now, that now that's an acceptable thing in medicine, because I remember at first start out, we're like, what is this? How does this work? Anxiety attacks are a real deal. So if you have a family member there who can basically do first aid, that's huge. Because when we get there, that we can be the, do the full first responder thing. But that first aid or emotional uh, first responder stuff, I think in the home is huge. Or recognizing the person's having a crisis too, that's the whole thing, is identifying the problem, right? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. panic attacks run in my family, and like, we've been dealing it for a long time we've all had to learn the tools, like how to approach the person who's having the panic attack so that you don't compound the situation for them, but you can talk them down and get them to breathe. Cause that's the biggest thing when I, when I get them, I, I have a hard time breathing. Like I, I, I'll, I'll be laying on the couch just kind of gasping for air. Cause like I, everything's just piling down on me. Um, but yeah, like figuring out how to how to how to talk to one another and and gently ease each other down from those situations is is tough. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there are people out there who don't believe it actually yeah. is real and it's really happening. Right. And like you're
2: full of crap. <laughs> you know, it's like right.
1: no, I'm well, literally this, this, so anxious I can't function.
2: Or like, this sh- this isn't happening to me. Yeah. Yeah or this isn't happening to my dad. Like he's, This is my hero, this is not happening.
3: And that has an effect on you seeing your dad having an right. issue, that's a, a big thing.
1: Indian Health Council has been empowering Native wellness for over 50 years. We continue to do so with services like our mobile pantry, where you can receive free and nutritious food for you and your family. Join us at our Ringcon facility on the second Tuesday of every month or on the fourth Tuesday of every month at our Santa Isabel location between 10 and 11 a.m. Upon arriving, you'll receive a variety of pre-packaged dry goods and bulk produce. The mobile pantry is open to all families and community members. Both of our sites are following all COVID-19 health and safety guidelines as recommended by the CDC at this time. Upon arriving, please stay in your vehicle and wear a mask when coming to receive your food and practice safe social distancing. We look forward to seeing you at our mobile pantry, and we thank you for listening to this podcast. Indian Health Council, empowering Native wellness since 1970.
3: This is very interesting. I went to a conference a couple months ago, and we're looking at different ways of where we, different places that we take our patients from the emergency medical services. Right now, if you have a problem, we take you to the emergency room. Yeah. You're going to the emergency room. The emergency room really isn't set up that well to deal with some sort of emotional issue or some addiction issue or whatever else. So, and you look at, if you've been in the emergency room really, lately, how busy is an emergency room? Yeah. They, need to fi- yeah, they need to figure something out. You're talking six hours to eight hours of waiting time in the emergency room. Well, if you have an emergency, that's kind of a long time. So one of the things that we're looking at right now is it's a thing called alternate destination with our paramedics. Mm. And this is a little bit of a plug here. So if you hear it, um, hopefully the folks out there, they'll hear it, and this will kind of strike a chord. We've been trying for the last couple of years to change where we take our patients. The one-size-fits-all approach does not work. Like I said, I I got my paramedic license in 1993. We basically do business exactly the same as we did. In 1993, if you wanna go all the way back, if you remember the old TV show Emergency with Johnny and Roy, right. we did it, we, you watch the show, it's basically the same way that we do it now. The drugs and stuff have changed, the uniforms have changed, but what we do is still basically the same. So we looked at this thing at the, um, especially in California, we're kind of the forefront of this thing, what are we gonna do to take the impact off the ER? So we broke it down in a couple of things. Number one, you're having a real, a real medical emergency, you're gonna go to the hospital, emergency room. But what if you cut your hand you need some stitches. Do I need to take you to the ER? Or can I take you to a urgent care? I can take you to an urgent care, right? It's going to save you a lot of money. You're going right. to get seen faster. You know, it's a good deal for you. Okay. So we got approval from the state that oh my gosh, we can take people to the urgent care center. And we did that study about four years ago. They got the data back. We got some pushback from the medical people out there about you know paramedics can't diagnose in the field. Well, the study showed. The paramedics did diagnose people in the field, so that was round one. Round two, we came back and said, "Okay, look at how about people that have an addiction problem? Uh, do I need to take them to an emergency room, I, or you know, alcohol, drugs? Do I need to take them to a uh, emergency room? No, let's take them to a sobering center." Uh, okay, so a sobering center basically is place that's designated that has a nurse there to keep an eye on you, so that you can sober up. Uh, you know, whatever your, your problem is, you're being monitored and taking care of. It's not punitive. It's it's a sobering center. And then they reevaluate you. And then we haven't quite got to what we do with you after we sober you up and, and you, whatever. We're getting there. But we,
2: the, we is who? We is the first
3: responder the, the, or we are as a society? I think we, because I think uh, as a, uh, the fire service emergency medical responders, we're the ones driving this. Okay. Because Sorry. we're trying to find a way to streamline okay. the process and get basically... Get you the right place. Instead of going to the ER and getting you know stuck in a bed someplace, that's not really, – and then the final one they come with is there's basically a psychi- psychiatric receiving center. And Los Angeles County Fire Department is working on that right now where if you have a psychological issue going on, they will take you to this the psychological center and you'll get help. So instead of just going to the emergency room, we've got urgent care for the cut hand. I've got the sobering center for people with addiction issues. And if someone's having an emotional crisis, we can take them to a psych, There's, they have some fancy name for it and I can't think of the top of my head. But that actually is a psychological receiving center for people having some sort of psychological or emotional problem. So That's amazing. we're working really hard on this. The problem is it's a, it's a pilot program and we, got, we get a lot of push, pushback from the medical establishment. If you go back in time, look at the people that opposed paramedics. And yes, there were people who fought very hard against paramedics back in the 1970s. The same people that oppose paramedics because, oh, firefighters can't do this, you have to be a doctor. We've proven the last 40 plus years that firefighters can do this. It's the same group that's pushing back on this alternate destination, the the urgent care, the psychiatric receiving, the sobering center, they're pushing back really hard. And that's a whole conversation for a different day. Mm -hmm. So we're really serious about pushing this through the system and test driving it because it's a pilot program to make this thing work out. Cause I think this is the future where we need to be. One size does not fit all.
2: That's awesome. You know, yeah. we just started pushing on January 16th, nine, eight, eight came out. So nine, eight, eight is what we understand to be the, um, the mental health line. So there's nine, one, one. Okay. And you know, that's a violent or that's a accident. And then if somebody, there's some sort of emotional or, or, uh, um a mental health mental illness issue you would call 988 and yes, so this the
1: national suicide and crisis lifeline
2: right and so 988 and 911 are going to are working hand in hand right now and, and eventually in the bigger picture the way I understand it is it'll be diverted into one or the other and so uh working with uh, community health and Im- uh, health improvement partners chip and the um um the our friends down there there's a a uh, psychological mobile response, emergency response team pert. And those guys, they, there's actually a mobile response team that shows up oh. on some of these calls that, I mean, and, and it's it's just starting, but it sounds like they're working hand in hand with, with that development. You know, so uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh,
3: that, that 988 thing's interesting. I haven't heard of that. And then actually having the, like a crisis response to, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to be old school here. I don't think there's any, there's no substitute for face-to-face personal contact. Mm. You can you can do the computer thing. You can do the iPhone thing. You can call in. But I think there's something there when you're face-to-face with that person and you can look them directly in the eyes. I think that has a lot more impact on someone having a problem than if I do it on the phone mm-hmm. or, or uh, on the computer. So being be able to physically launch people and put them boots on boots in their ground, I think my opinion that is awesome and that's the way to do it it's like basically emotional paramedics
2: oh yeah i like that i mean i mean there's nothing more relieving than if you got a fire and you're uh you know if you see a fire and when you when the fire when the first responders show up it's it's just a a sigh of relief like and so i'm sure you guys get a whole other feeling you know what's the difference how about that one what's the difference between that you know we we wait for you guys to show up and now all of a sudden we're like yes okay it's done and now it's like you guys show up and now you guys got to deal with our relief you know <laughs> here we see it as okay it, it's dealt with now but you guys got to deal with it you know so w- w- at what point do you i guess uh, what's my question there i don't know oh, uh, is there is there a point where you guys uh uh is what 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 scale of issues do you guys see out there? Is there ever a time when do you call the infantry? You know, is there big fires, little fires? Is there problems too big where
3: you call in, you know, the county and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like we're very fortunate in Palma Valley. We have a really great relationship. Oh, yeah. I work with Rencon. I've got Palma down yeah. the street. I've got Pala. I've got La Jolla. like really we got tools. We got Santa Squall and yep. Valley Center. We work very closely together, and we're very tight knit. Cal we, Fire. Cal Fire down here. Seventies down here. Yep. Um, and we work very closely together, and we have reciprocal agreements where if you need my help, I'm coming. If you know, and and you, the nice thing is that you call for help, you're going to get it. When I, like I said, when I grew up as a kid, the only fire station was Station Seventy, and then you had. 71 and 72 that are Valley Center stations now. So now you look at the level of protection we have out here, it's far superior um, than what we had before. So we have lots of resources. And when do we call calling the, the infantry to help us out? We have, we have this wonderful thing called computer-aided dispatch. <laughs> so when you call 911, the call goes to the Sheriff's Department. It's called the PSAP, the Public Safety Answering Point. So the PSAP picks up, what's your problem? Fire, medical, or police? Oh, I've got a fire in my backyard. So they hit the button. It goes over to our, our dispatch center over in Rancho Santa Fe, um, North Com Fire. What you, you know, your address and shows up on the computer. It's pretty amazing. You get a chance to go to IS dispatch center and look at the technology. Pulls up on the computer. The computer knows, oh, I have a fire in the backyard. And there's actually a, a run card for an outside fire non-threatening a structure. I think it's, I'm not gonna guess. I think it's two engines. While she's talking to you, she's already punching that stuff in the computer. The computer's always going, okay, it, station 70, closest. Rencon Station 18, closest. Or La Jolla Station, closest. The computer's already using AVL to look who's the closest. So the computer basically calls in the resources initially. Now, what happens when you get there and it's a little bigger than two engines, that's where the, the, a captain on the engine or a, a chief officer like myself, we show up and we'll, we'll upgrade the response. And the nice thing is when I click the radio and ask, hey, send me two more engines, I get them. Dang. And 30 years ago, you clicked the radio and said, "Send me wow. two more engines." It was going to be a while. So that's kind of that. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Uh, more so. Yeah. Is there is there any shame in asking for help out there?
3: <laughs> uh, it's more embarrassing when you burn something down. So it's better uh, to, it's better to ask for help and get it done. And actually, yeah. I'm I'm being a little bit um, glib on that one. But no. You you want and because because here's what happens is the minute those guys hear a fire call go down whether it's a vegetation fire or a structure fire
2: everyone's waiting
3: everybody goes out to their their yeah. rig and they uh, grab the radio so you're everybody's listening to you on the radio so if you're the first guy there you got to give the report on conditions you better not mess it up because everybody's going oh he forgot that he forgot this or that so when you get there <laughs> they they want to go so they're already listening to the radio so when they say hey go ahead and send me two more engines or second alarm or whatever else they want to come they want to be part of that thing so we don't really in our culture there's really it's they don't actually get mad when you cancel them. There's was no fire, guys. We put it out. Well, why'd you cancel? There was no fire, guys. They, they want to come. They want to help. Or whatever it is, firefighters are doers. They want to be out doing yep.
1: something. So, yeah, it's a really interesting yep. piece of the culture of the firefighter. You guys are, are are there for each other. Yeah. Like, I remember all the way back to 9-11, you know, when everything went down in New York City, I remember firefighters from all over the country yeah. just clamoring to go help, you know. And I, I had friends who were firefighters at the time who were just like, Waiting for the approval for them to go. to go. They want to go. They want to go. They want to be one of the ones there to help. That, you know, a fellow firefighter's in need, and mm-hmm. I need to be there to help them out. It's such a supportive culture um, in that community, and it, and it's nationwide. It's not it's not just locally here. Like firefighters help firefighters.
3: It's you, you talk to firefighters from California to New York to Boston to Florida. It's basically they might have a little different accent. It's the same personality, person. And <laughs> you look at that guy like I know who you are. You're so and so from home. I mean, it's the same personality, and same Law enforcement and and medicine and stuff like that. That personality type tends to gravitate towards that well, business. It takes a certain type of personality to
1: put yourself in that kind of danger to step. I mean, in front run, of a run fire. the wrong I mean, way. Yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Stand up before the guy with the gun, like all that stuff. It, it, it takes a very unique and and special type of, of, of person who who will do that.
3: Go ahead. I was gonna say full disclosure. I'll take fire over a gun any day. <laughs> fire is way more predictable than a person with a gun. So my hats right. off to law enforcement. Oh, those wow. guys, the deputies and police that's officers, the they have our backs, man. Huh? Right. <laughs> I, I can guess with pretty good certainty what fire is gonna do. People with a gun. Those guys. My hats off to them. And they've had a, a rough couple of years here, but our law enforcement guys out here, guys and gals, are great. They have our backs, and we couldn't do what we do, you know, from just a traffic accident directing traffic, mm-hmm. or we have issues, we need them to show up. They're here quick, and they have our backs, and that's that helps us do our job. So mm-hmm. those I really have a lot of respect for law enforcement because that's a whole different problem dealing with people with guns and things like that. I yeah. I prefer fire.
1: Cuz you are getting into that variable of of the human mind yes. as opposed to yeah. the physics that fire follows, right? Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Yeah.
2: 100%. Speaking of uh, the fire I know I know a lot of firefighters out here. A lot of friends that are from here and take they take so much pride in their work and they're so everybody's so knowledgeable. I could ask one question at a barbecue or at a get together <laughs> and everybody they're dialed in, they're dialed in if they're at home and, 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 you know, they take so much pride in, in their uniform and their position and their tribe and, and everybody's dialed in, you know, and, and they're very, very, uh, uh, informative and, and share and, and, and teaching and, you know, it's so much to where there's, there's a sense of, uh, um, uh, there's there a lot of our youth firefighting is, is a trade that we like to get into. You know, it's like kind of like, what are you going to do after school? You know, I'm going to go into fire. You know, I'm th- looking at, uh, you know, first responding and um, a lot of our young men more so. You know, I think I think there's still some females that are interested. But uh, a firefighting is a trade. It, it, it's a it's one of the more popular lines of work out here that kids like to get into.
3: Oh, I, I honestly, I mean, I'm a little biased. I think it's a, it's the best job in the world. It's been, I've been doing this job for 37 years. It's very fulfilling. I've learned a lot and I learn something every day still after all these years. And that's, what's appealing to me is just like, there's always something new to learn. You talk about how, first of all, firefighters like to talk. So we're like, oh, we're all like frustrated history teachers in high school, right? We're going to tell you the story. (laughs) But um, that's the thing is, and most firefighters, we're always a student of our profession. We're never the master of our profession because there's so much to know and things change all the time. You can't stay on top of everything because, I mean, the last 30 years, all the information we had on structural firefighting, how we did structural firefighting has changed 100%. Things I learned in the fire academy, you don't do anymore because we know fire doesn't do that. Wildland firefighting, we know much more about that than we did in the past. So, our knowledge, we, we kind of put that little DNA strand on our folks. You got to stay current, and you got to stay on top of that. Because, first of all, it's very interesting, but, you know, your people's lives are at stake. And if you're not on top of your A game with that, with the knowledge, then you're putting your crew and your, the public's lives at threat. And our guys take that serious. You mentioned pride. That's one thing that, uh, I mean, there's lots of uh, professions out there, but that pride and doing the job the right, you know, do the right thing the right way for the right reasons... That's really kind of the core of the fire service. And like you said, uh, uh, you know, you call us for everything. That's why you have us. No call too small. Whatever your problem is, our job is to come out and solve that problem. So that pride, whatever it is, it's a leaky water heater. Yeah, it's not the most glamorous call in the world trying to fix a leaky water here. But right now, that's your most important thing going on. Your water heater is flooding your living room, right? All right? We'll fix that. We'll make it the best we can make it. If your house is on fire, that's, that's an easy one. We're going to put it out. But that's... That's that, an that, easy one. <laughs> <laughs> for my guys, it's yes. like, they want to go to the fire, the leaky water here. I get some, yeah, every right. now and then they heard some grumping. It's like, no grumping on that. Yeah, That's their emergency. You're going to solve it. And the younger guys, once you educate them to that, yep. that's important. So we got to, as the older guys, yeah. we have to kind of set the standard and tell them what's right and wrong. It's like educating and bring your children up the right mm-hmm. way. That's kind of way we are. So back to mentioning people, you know, natives in the, in the fire service. Right now, if you want a job in the fire service, this is the perfect time for it. Oh, really? It. We, everybody is so understaffed. Oh, Wow. But the big but after that is if you are – anybody out there listening that wants to be a firefighter, seriously consider becoming a paramedic mm. because most of the firefighters here mm. in California are firefighter paramedics unless you work for the forest agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge shortage of firefighter paramedics. Mm-hmm. I mean, my agency's experiencing it, uh, Carlsbad, Oceanside. Every, I mean, every fire chief in this county will tell you he's having, he or she is having issues with um, – filling positions. And just, I don't know if it's the COVID thing. I don't know if there's been a societal shift that people don't want to do this job. Nobody can really tell me why we've seen this, this shift back in the old days when I was trying to get on, I took a test when I had 13,000 guys for 100 jobs. Yeah. Not here. It was Los yeah. Angeles <laughs> County, but um, so this is a great time. So I would strongly encourage you if you're out there listening to this thing, you want to be a firefighter, go to Palomar, Palomar college. It's right down the street it's a, it's reasonable, you can get start out as an EMT, which is emergency medical technician. That's kind of the, the beginning point. Then you go to the fire academy, that's 16 weeks. And then once you get to the fire academy, then it's advisable to go to paramedic school. You don't have to, but it really increases your chance of getting hired where you wanna work if you're a firefighter paramedic. And that's really where the big um, disparity is. We don't have a lot of those people. I think I think a lot of it's because of COVID, we had to shut things down for a while, but we really need firefighter paramedics. So, Another plug. You want a job? This is the perfect time to be a firefighter.
2: Yeah, we have a lot of our a lot of our friends and family up in the up in the mountains. They go down, go into the forestry. Yeah, you know, or they're cutting fire line, or they're working
3: for the wooby crews, or NCIDC. Uh-huh. Is that similar to firework, or is that is that a way in? It is. Well, I, that's how I started. I was a, I was with CDF now Cal Fire. I started as a forestry guy, um, and it's it it's dependent on the person's personality. Uh-huh. There are some people who do not like doing the medical part of the job. There are just some people who don't. Some people just like the fire aspect of it. There's some people that like the wildland fire aspect of it. That's the nice thing with the fire service is there's different. If I'm into wildland firefighting, I go to work for the Forest Service. If I want to do this, I go to work for Cal Fire. If I want to be a structural firefighter, I go to work for it. If I want to be a firefighter, it gives you different things that you can do. And like our department, we're fortunate. We get to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. We do wildland. We do the medical. We do structural. We're kind of like the pocket knife. We do all kinds of things. But that's you know a hotshot crew. You want to be in a hotshot group? Go to work for the, 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 the Forest Service. There's guys that love that job. And I love getting out and doing that a little bit. I'm getting kind of old now to swing a tool that long. Those guys, are, yeah. those guys are tough guys. They oh, get out yeah. and they, they, they oh, put, yeah. put their nose down and get to work. So oh, yeah. it, it, there's the nice thing, and so even, even in our job, you can become a fire investigator. Um, you can go into fire prevention. You can become an urban search and rescue guy. There's so many subspecialties. I, I, I would exactly. love to
2: do a whole separate podcast on fire investigation. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> that's it. Yes, that would be a whole podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh um there's a lot of ways we can go with this conversation. Yeah. But uh um I think I think it's important uh, uh that you, you know you sharing that uh um your guys is the pocket knife.
3: That you guys being the pocket knife, huh? So you guys do it all. We try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we yeah. try to. And that's a that's the other thing that's cool with this job. It's it's always a challenge and the one thing that's kind of like um, in our DNA too is we are problem solvers. If you give those guys a Rubik's cube and tell them I want you to make this thing, all the things, they will you know, make, mess with that thing until you solve that problem. They are problem solving people so that, and they like to think outside the box. Sometimes a little bit too much outside the box, got to bring them back in a little bit. But they're problem solvers. So you give us a problem, they'll sit there and they'll noodle it in their head for a little bit. They'd like to solve, they like solving problems. You, you know, uh, uh, we, we'll finish up with,
2: you know, with, with the beginning. We'll finish with the beginning. When we started our prevention and early intervention grant uh, well over 10 years ago, you guys were the first people we called. We wanted to kind of get the word out and, and get our grant information out, and we wanted to have a huge event. And so we started with an Earth Day event, and and we said, okay, well, we have an Earth Day because the Earth Days were popular. We wanted to get grounded and 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 and, uh, and do kind of like a wellness event. And uh, we said, well, how are we going to get everyone here? What does everyone like? everyone likes the, well, everyone likes firefighters. How well? How can we get the firefighters here? Well, we stopped. Me and Art, we sat there and thought, and we said, well, let's do uh, let's do some sort of contest. Let's do some sort of contest, and so we said, "Okay, well, let's have a race. Let's get the firefighters to show up for a race." And so we asked all the fire departments around to show up here for a fighter for a race, and they're like, "Why in the world would they do that? They're way too busy." George, don't ask them to do that. And I'm like, "Well, that, that's." I got challenged with getting people here. I needed to have a huge event. And so I went around and I asked you guys and, and Doug and Coco and, every, and Chief Ruiz, everybody. And, and everybody said yes. And so next thing you know, we had, I think, six or seven fire departments out here, a full-on race. We did it for three years in a row. And uh, um, you guys have always been there for us, no matter what we ask, from an information table to a relay race to a podcast. uh, I'm sure we call you every day for everything. So you guys are always there for us. I
1: think that's one of the other things about the firefighter (laughs) culture is you're community builders, too. Oh, yeah. You know, like you protect the community, but I, I have always seen firefighters at functions
3: Supporting community oh, th-
2: I can't right. tell you how much that meant to our program that was yeah. that started our program It was huge.
3: Well, thank you. I mean, but honestly uh, the no, way that we, we kind of look at it is we belong to you We're part of you guys and the collective you guys is everybody out there um, We belong to you. We're your fire department, so we should be there um, interacting with people because here's the thing too is um, it's good to see people when things aren't on fire right. or, or things are going right. wrong. It's nice to sit down and do a podcast and yeah. talk about stuff. Well, that no not emergency just talk to people in crisis. Right, exactly. Well, that's how money. I sold no. it. That's exactly how I sold it. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I just uh, was over at the charter school. I was talking to Michelle Parada. I'm like, hey, my old agency. We'd, we would come out and do um, read to the kids and stuff like that, and right. we. Three years I've been here, we haven't done that. So hopefully we're going to get to go over there and do that and interact with the kids at the school. But at the end, we belong to you. We're your fire department, and whether it's Palma or Rincon or San Pasqual or even Valley Center, we belong. We belong to that community, and we take pride in the fact we belong to the community. We're part of that community, so never feel bad about asking us to come out and do anything um, because we're that's what we're there for. We're supposed to be out interacting and doing stuff. And like I said, it's nice to see people when it's not an emergency. Yeah, so right, that, right. That's 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 a good thing. So.
1: Yeah. Well. well I for one uh feel blessed that uh folks like yourself are out there protecting us yeah. and, and doing the hard work of making sure that uh that you know we, we can feel safe in our in our homes and in our communities and, and uh you know I thank you so much for, for what you guys do. Well thank you, Dave. Appreciate yeah, it.
2: Yeah, thank you very, very much for taking the time. I appreciate it. George, yeah no. Happy to be here. And uh, uh maybe we can get uh um some of the other crews on. I know I got a couple of emails I gotta send. I want to get a couple of the other departments on and, and uh, maybe some of the first responders because we all work together. Yeah. You know, the uh, the tribal security, things like that, yep. even, even the sheriffs. And, yeah. because okay. it all- and anytime you
1: guys have anything you need to to spread out yep. there, like just reach out to us and we'd be
3: happy to Fantastic, have you back on huh? to talk about it and, and share the word. Just the fact you had me on your day. I appreciate it. We cu- covered a wide array of topics. Yeah, you that you was know, great. That's why I think I
2: had to cut it. Cause I can, like the the you, you did like,
3: a great job shifting gears. <laughs> you <go awesome>. everywhere. <laughs> shifting gears, man. I, I could go, I'm all over the place. I'm no, no, you had, weave, you had a plan. Bob Bob your plan Bob was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thank you. Serpentine.
2: Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And maybe we'll see you again.
1: Absolutely. You know, well, until next time, everybody, this is What About Life. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you again in a week. Yep. Thanks, Chief. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Indian Health Council's What About Life podcast is made possible by the Prevention and Early Intervention Program funded by the County of San Diego Mental Health Services Act. Indian Health Council's Behavioral Health Hotline can be reached Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., by calling 760 751 six zero zero four. That's seven six zero seven five one six zero zero four. If you're outside of Indian Health Council's service area and are experiencing a mental health emergency in San Diego, call the San Diego Access and Crisis Line at one 724 7240 That's the San Diego Access and Crisis Line at one 724 7240 or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Help is available. All you have to do is reach out for it. Indian Health Council, empowering Native wellness since 1970. Thank you for listening to the What About Life podcast from Indian Health Council. Please take a moment and make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single new episode. The views and opinions expressed by those interviewed on the What About Life podcast, including all program participants, are solely their own current opinions regarding events and are based on their own perspective and opinion. It is the opinion and perspective of the interviewees and the hosts. Such views, opinions, and or perspectives are intended to convey a life story or based on recollections about events in their lives on which conflicting memories may exist and are not intended to malign any individual, religion, ethnic group, or company. The views and opinions expressed do not reflect the views or opinions of Indian health council, Inc., or the companies with which any program participants, interviewees are, or may be affiliated. The what about life podcast is a production of the health promotions and marketing department at Indian health council and is funded through the prevention and early intervention program from the County of San Diego, HHSA mental health services act. What About Life is produced and edited by David S. Dawson, executive produced by Beth Turner. Our research team and hosts are George Pohas, Arturo Calvo, Jason Levine, and Marissa Yepa. This episode of What About Life is the copyright of Indian Health Council, Inc.